0: So Rick and Morty's long-awaited Season 4, Episode 6, came out yesterday. And it was very perfect because today we're going to speak speaking about Rick and Morty and the archetypal psychological themes that are within the show. And um, Rick and Morty has been one of the top shows, let alone cartoons, uh, throughout the world since it came out a number of years ago. And there's many obvious reasons. Uh, great script writing. I think they have the most jokes per minute of any uh, sitcom uh, also really clever plot lines they take the plot lines from any sci-fi like well-known sci-fi um, movies and then satirize them and parry to them in their episodes um, but I actually think one of the main reasons why the show is so uh, has such a diehard male fan base and we've seen that a lot whether it's um, some of like the, the the negative press they've gotten around like their gamergate type fans or just like some diehard people who get their Rick and Morty tattooed on them, or uh, they were able to bring back Szechuan sauce um, in, in McDonald's because like, people got so into it. One of the reasons why it's so popular is, in my opinion, Rick and Morty, better than any other cartoon out there, and maybe most television shows, demonstrate the male psychodrama in their episodic structure. So it was kind of a synchronicity that uh, today's episode, uh, or yesterday's episode, people are already calling the meta episode it's um it's kind of an anthology of uh of rick and morty and actually like kind of they broke the fourth wall in many ways describing how they structure the story and they brought up many elements from the hero's journey and we wove them into jokes into the script so um it's funny that they did that in this episode because i've actually been meaning to make this episode for a while i meant to do this when they premiered season um season four back in December. I also meant to do this like in season three, and then I just never like got it together. I finally decided today I'm going to do the episode on Rick and Morty and archetypal masculinity. And funny enough, uh, today's episode was also kind of breaking down the, the the hero's journey elements within the story structure. So there are going to be spoilers in this episode. I, I assume if you're watching this right now or listening to this on the Rwando podcast, you already watched the show Rick and Morty, so I'm not going to explain that. Um, I also assume if you're a fan of the show, you, you should go watch, go watch that episode before you watch this. Uh, you know, the recording will still be here. No worries. Um, so yeah, uh, Rick and Morty, I, I think one of its, po- uh, one of the key elements that causes popularity is that, uh, obviously unconsciously it demonstrates, uh, elements of the male hero's journey. And, uh, which is why like, you know, it t- touches on male pain and certain elements of, uh male psychological development better than most shows which is why even for people who kind of watch it lazily and just like laugh at the the violent jokes or the poop jokes or the uh, you know whatever male female jokes it, it does pull on our emotional heartstrings because it at least for men especially it demonstrates uh, experiences that most of us if, if you grew up as a boy, man, um, have experienced on some level. So we're going to break down a couple different um, archetypal psychology elements that are very well highlighted in the show. Real quick uh, announcements, a couple good podcasts are coming out on the Rondo podcast. Uh, Carolyn Elliott uh, is coming out. She's the author of Existential Kink. That should be out, I think, later this week. Um, The following week, we have uh, Mark Lewis, who wrote The Biology of Desire, Why Addiction is Not a Disease. Also, a a very fascinating episode on motivation and habit formation. Um, And then we also have John Gray for Men are for Mars, Women are for Venus coming out probably the week after that. I don't do my own scheduling because I hate the internet. Um, And then also, of course, if you're into this archetypal masculinity stuff, you can check out the masculine archetype challenge at Rwando.com slash archetype. All right, so the first thing uh, to look at the, the show Rick and Morty is uh, looking at the the characters in in Rick and Morty. Uh, obviously the the character characters, Rick and Morty, uh, demonstrate certain elements of uh, masculinity. If, if we if we assume that uh, Rick and Morty or any show is a um, is a psychodrama, uh, a representation of elements of, that are in our psyche, uh, Rick and Morty obviously represent major parts of uh, the male psyche, but also uh, we want to call attention to Jerry. is morty's father so these three three characters have a have a special relationship uh, from a psychological perspective in the show Um, morty is actually more of the hero than rick even though most of the plot lines and titles uh focus a lot more on rick uh, because rick is the um driver of the show but he's actually more of the mentor to morty um morty is the fool uh in in tarot or in the fool's journey Uh, in, in the archetypal sense he is the the innocent, uh, innocent guy. If if he was a a woman, we'd call him the ingenue, uh, which is the theatrical term for the innocent woman, like Little Red Riding Hood. Morty is a fool. Uh, throughout the show, other characters are telling him he's dumb. Uh, even in the um, Citadel of Rick's, like the whole thing, the whole reason why every Rick needs a Morty is that his stupidity blocks out um the waves or blocks out uh Rick from being detected, who's the smartest man in the universe. Um, he doesn't actually show that he's an idiot. He doesn't show that he's particularly smart. He also seems to uh, be swayed very easily. We'll talk about that. Um, but Morty is the character who uh, does show transformation as a protagonist. Rick is not a hero. Rick is, if anything, more of an anti-hero and secondary father to Morty, uh, which we'll explain. But Morty, even though even though the show Rick and Morty is a comedy, it has an episodic structure, uh, in various moments, we get to see that Morty is actually the conscience in in, in slight... Uh, in small, uh, small doses, we get to see Morty rise to the occasion and demonstrate courage, and and be the person who talks, uh, you know, uh, talks up Summer, his sister, when she's feeling depressed, and like has like those moments of um, telling the um, telling the moral of the story, kind of like how Stan does in South Park. There'll be like lots of lots of ridiculous comedic things happen. Morty will be the one who shares the moral of the story uh, and grounds us back into a human moment. Um, Rick, on the other hand, is more of an anti-hero, uh, and he represents a secondary father. So we'll talk about, uh, the first Jungian, uh, topic that's within Rick and Morty that I want to talk about is the father wound. We did a whole episode on the father wound, uh, in the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I won't talk, I don't want to repeat too much of it, but the father wound essentially, um, are the shortcomings of ones, uh, for, of a boy's male influence that lead to his, insecurities as a man we all almost all of us have some level of father wound unless he had a really perfect absolute perfect father absolute perfect upbringing which most people haven't because everyone probably had a mortal father um, who had his flaws uh, but but jerry is jerry who's morty's father in the show is kind of an extreme uh extreme personification of a loser right like he's everyone and everyone in the show shits on him life shits on him he shows a lot of weakness. And uh, to reference uh, last week's episode on Leary's Eighth Circuit Model of Consciousness, Jerry is very much stuck in that first stage of um, oral bio survival circuit where he's he's basically a little infant. He can't do anything for himself. He acts as an invertebrate. Actually, in the episode where um, Jerry and Beth go to the island, where the planet where they can get relationship counseling, um, I forget what the, I mean, I don't remember the titles of any of the episodes, but... In that episode, uh, Jerry, uh, Rick brings Jerry and Beth, who are Morty's parents, who fight all the time, to some planet where um, they are able to cure every relationship issue. Um, and the way they do that is through mythologues. So uh, they input like their emotions into a computer, and then they create um, they create a, a mythological character that represents each person's um, view of the other person. So uh, Jerry. Uh, imagines Beth and then sh- creates this demon because he sees his wife as this evil demon, or this, uh, tyrannical demon, uh, which is how she behaves towards him. And most people in the show behave towards him. Uh, Beth imagines him as like this literally spineless, like worm type character, um, which just, I mean, I, I don't know how much the writers of, um, Rick and Morty are familiar with Jungian psych or psych, but I mean, they, they really hit on a lot of these themes very directly in very clear sim- symbolism in the show. Um, Jerry's, uh, Beth's view of Jerry, her representation of Jerry is literally a spineless worm. And whenever he's confronted with a challenge, he literally turns his butt over to presumably get butt raped. Um, very extreme uh, symbolism of Jerry being stuck in that worm stage, that uh, oral bio survival circuit where he's co- totally dependent on a feminine. And throughout the show, even though it's like a, I mean, actually, because it's such a male oriented show, uh, it's very interesting how they portray women in the show. Um, and actually, in the episode that came out yesterday, they referenced the Bechdel test, which I'll talk about at the end of this episode. It relates to when we talk about actually about the feminine elements, the anima. So anyway, Jerry's flaws are very obvious. He's basically a spineless turd uh, who is only um, his just like an infant. His only survival mechanism is to basically emotionally blackmail people and like get them to take care of him or pity him which is what a baby does. A baby has only one um, uh, infant has only one means of survival, which is to be cute and helpless enough that someone wants to take care of them, which is why we all kind of groan when we see Jerry. But I I think why this is a critical thing to show in the show and why this actually helps uh, most men relate to the show is that we all know that type of character. It may have been someone who related to our upbringing. Many of us, uh, have an element of that in ourselves, anything, almost any element of male self-loathing or self-criticism comes from this fear that somewhere in us is this spineless turd who can't take care of himself. And actually, uh, if you if reference the episode on the um, Timothy Leary's neural circuits, um, Prometheus Rising, uh, of course, I mean, this is the first circuit of development. At when, you, when we were infants, this is how we, this is how we survived. So we have this circuit in us, and it's important to exercise this circuit. However, especially as men, since it's such a feminine and maternally driven circuit, uh, for a grown man to primarily run on this circuit, I mean, most he would certainly be a beta male. Most of us would look down on on a guy like that. He doesn't have many. There's no masculine virtues on the first circuit. There's other important things, but like for a father figure to run on the first circuit, uh, to, a father figure to be stuck in Freud's oral stage, uh, super not useful, and you can see why. Uh, see how this relates to Morty's insecurities. Morty's a fourteen-year-old guy. Uh, he's awkward. He's afraid of women. He's totally afraid of his um, of his uh, high school crush Jess. Um, he's easily bullied. Also, kind of spineless. Uh, so naturally, as we spoke about in the father wound episode, what Morty uh, um automatically will gravitate to is someone who has the virtues where his father, his primary father, his actual father, Jerry, is lacking. So where Jerry is spineless, Rick, who's his grandfather on his mom's side, uh, is super tough. I mean, Rick all had Rick goes to extreme where he gives no fucks, uh, takes no shit. He can be violent. He can be tough. Uh, he's virile, even however old he is. There's many episodes where he demonstrates that he like a champ and he's very much a an adolescent boys perhaps extreme view of what a better man is so for anyway i I spoke about this in the father wound episode i myself my dad is awesome great guy but where he tended to have character flaws i was drawn to other men that had that uh that trait in spades like where my dad was kind of like maybe timid i was super drawn to guys who were like like super obnoxiously loud, almost to a point where it wasn't a good thing, but I was trying to make up for my primary father's flaws by seeking out virtues in a secondary father. So you can see uh, Rick um, Rick uh, is in the extreme, right? He's the extreme. Uh, Rick is not the hero. We'll talk about Rick in a second. Rick is a secondary father to Morty. And, um, and you can actually see attachment theory demonstrated uh, very, I mean, not very, particularly comically in the book, in the story. Um, If you see the direction of love and attention, uh, this is a different version of the father wound. Uh, Jerry is giving all his affection and clinging to Beth, who pulls away. So in in their dynamic, um, Jerry is the anxious one. Beth is the avoidant. She's always rolling her eyes at his shortcomings. Um, But then in her actual paternal relationship, Beth is constantly apologizing for Rick's bad behavior. Rick is being super love avoidant, whereas Beth is being the anxious one. And you can see how insecurity is passed on um, through the generations. Again, I mean, this is a male psychodrama, but it does show uh, beth um, Beth's daddy issues uh, and how uh, she's got her own uh, father wounding. Um, and this is interesting, again, from the male perspective, because there's a lot of uh, portrayals of women. Which aren't necessarily inaccurate. Obviously, they're 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 um, hyperbolized uh, to an extreme because this is a cartoon. Um, but a lot of it is kind of like distrust in women, or, or showing how um, like the jerk gets the affection. Like even in this paternal relationship, um, Jerry's uh, you know pining for Beth's affection, but she gives it all to her father, who literally walked out on her as a child. Um. Other elements of the father wounding in the episode where we get to see Rick probably at one of his more vulnerable states. Um, in the episode where Rick and Morty come across Unity, who is this like um, multi-being consciousness who like incepts the minds of other beings and turns them into one super organism. Uh, Rick, Rick, uh, I guess had a love affair with her. They reconnect. They have a great time, and um, uh, Rick. Uh, since she can take over anyone's body, Rick says, I, I want a stadium full of redheads and a, um, an audience of guys who look like my dad cheering me on. Another allusion to the, to the father wounding, Rick wants to basically do something hyper masculine, sleep with a bunch of redheads while being cheered on by his dad, because presumably, I mean, what they're hinting at is Rick didn't get enough love from his father. So this lack of uh, parental, this lack of fatherly approval gets passed down uh, from generation to generation. Um. Yeah. So Rick and Jerry show this di- dichotomy in father figures, where Jerry is stuck on this first circuit. He's like an extreme. He's ex- he has extreme nice guy syndrome. Um. He, if you if we recall the neural circuits, um, in the dominant submission hostile friendly quadrant, uh, Jerry is extreme hostile submissive. So he's like, I mean, that's like the worst quadrant, right? He doesn't trust anybody, but he also doesn't take the lead, so he's a pain in everyone's ass. Um, Rick, on the other hand, maybe was in that nice guy point at some point. We can; uh, It's kind of hinted uh, throughout the episodes that Rick w- underwent some extreme pain, which is what made him hard as a person. Uh, they don't actually say what that is, at least not so far in, in the show. But Rick is in the hostile, dominant. He trusts no one. Uh, he says lines throughout the show, like, love is weakness. Um, I wrote some other quotes from the show that that Rick says, but uh, he's, he's all about like, you have to have control of uh, showing emotion is, uh, as a bad thing. Um, never trust your feelings basically. But then again, in the unity episode, uh, we see how, uh, ironically, over the consciousness of many other, uh, beings, uh, unity ends up leaving Rick because she finds that when she dates him, she loses herself, <laughs> um, which is ironic for the type of being she is, of course. Let me see, at the very end of the episode, Rick was really in love with her, and he tries to kill himself um, with like a ray gun type of thing, but he's so drunk, he passes out. And actually throughout, uh, I think it's in season two or season three, they translate the meaning of his catchphrase, Wubba Lubdub, which is, I'm in great pain, uh, please help me. Uh, and you can see why he drinks so much, he's constantly got the the slobber on his face, like he's in so much pain that he's just numbing everything out through violence and drinking and and these adventures he takes Morty on. Um, So you can see how he's suppressing a lot of pain. But again, from the adolescent perspective of Morty, even though Rick has these obvious character flaws, he's a drunk, he's an asshole. um, He's violent. He's he's all these things. uh, As a secondary father, he fulfills his role really well because everything that Jerry is weak in Rick is strong in. Uh, Jerry is also not that intelligent. Rick is the smartest man in the galaxy. Jerry has no backbone. Rick is tough as nails. Jerry is uh, not potent in the sense that he's not attractive <laughs> to women at all. Uh, Rick seems to have a great time uh, in the ladies department. Um, just to, just in, in referencing the, the quadrant from the second circuit, the dominant, submissive, hostile, friendly thing again. Morty being the fool, being the ingenue, uh, being like the blank slate, the baby, uh, Morty is in the friendly submissive, um, quadrant. Like he's kind of overly trusting and he always wants to be told what to do for the most part. Uh, this father wounding and Rick being Morty's secondary father brings us to the next element, which comes from the hero's journey. Uh, the, we could call it the rites of passage, uh, crossing of threshold. So, um, Pretty much every episode is a rites of passage adventure. Um, I mean every episode is literally an adventure. Like there is the call to adventure is maybe in episode one, but there's this whole series of adventures that happens every episode pretty much. Um, as you spoke about in the Father Wound episode, um, the whole point of the rites of passage in human history, uh especially in pre-agricultural human history, was to uh transition. Uh, a male from boy psychology into male psychology, especially in a way that he uses his new power that, that is beget to him, uh, begotten to him by puberty and testosterone, so that he uses his new power for the good of mankind. Uh, the rites of passage of antiquity and or from prehistory, let's say, uh, had two purposes. One was to show a boy what he was made of by putting him through challenges, and two is to um, have him uh, humble his hubris. So that he doesn't use his new powerful tendencies uh, for randomness. It's, it's a way of like reconnecting him to the tribe. And I spoke about this in the episode last week on um, on uh, the Robert Anton Wilson circuits. This is the fourth circuit, the moral sexual survival circuit. Um, the point of this is that instead of being like this wild wild card who can do anything and, and perhaps damage society or not like use his abilities for good. Uh, morality was invented to get all these, these wild people, whether it's a wild woman with her sexuality or this powerful pubescent boy with his surge of testosterone, to get them in line with society so that society can, uh, function as a superorganism. Uh, Rick, ironically, as an anti-hero, doesn't really care about that. In fact, um, Rick goes out of his way to constantly fight authority. Um, but anyway, as far as, as, in terms of the hero's journey, uh, Rick is, Constantly helping Morty cross that threshold out of status quo life. He literally pulls him out of school all the time. And there's um, a couple episodes where he talks about how school is uh, for idiots. Like school trains you to be dumb. Um, he also has a huge disdain for society. Helping Morty break out of the status quo reality. And he even has a disdain for the Citadel of Ricks. Which is an organization across dimensions. Made by all the Ricks of all the dimensions. But the Rick that we follow in the show even disdains them. So he's even an enemy of the organization of himself, um, which, uh, which is essentially the purpose, the initial purpose of a rite of passage, uh, basically as an antihero, Rick takes Morty through half of it. He breaks him from the status quo, but he doesn't re-synergize him. Uh, that's something that it's kind of hinted at in some episodes. Morty leads Rick into is to re-synergize with society. um, It's funny in this episode that came out last, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, the season four, episode six, uh, since they were, this is the meta episode where they're breaking down the meanings and the elements of certain episodes or of the show. Actually, Morty literally says, Hey, that was great. We got tested by our demons. Got to see what what we were made of. Like he literally was saying that as they were talking about crossing the threshold. And then, uh, in that part of the episode, uh, or a, a few scenes later, uh, Rick whip, whips out a map of the. They're, they're stuck in an anthology train. If you watch the episode, you'll see that. And he, he whips out a map, and the map is basically the uruburos, It's a snake eating its tail, um, and which is which represents uh, nature in many ways and the never-ending experience of consciousness. Um, and he actually references, "Oh, here's where we cross a threshold." He actually says the term, oh, "Here's where we cross a threshold." Uh, in the episode which is funny he's like oh and that car is where all the vignettes are and like basically he's like painting the way we usually draw the hero's journey as a big circle which i thought was interesting and fun um another part of the authority piece that uh rick actually this was again in the episode that just came out last night Uh, there's a lot of meta stuff in the episode uh one of the ways that rick and morty escape uh escape the plot, basically, is they call in this deus ex machina, which is a literary term for uh, got out of the machine, uh, which is a, a story device where, like, if a writer doesn't know how to end the story or save the day, he'll just have some, some like, he'll, God will show up and save the day. They literally have this happen where, in order to escape um, the storyline they're in, they call on Jesus, and Jesus comes down from heaven, and he, and he breaks the story, and they said some cynical things about um, religion. Jesus saves the day, and the the way I mean, if you, if you watch the episode, uh, the way they got out is that the the Bible story was so boring uh, that they were able to get out of the storyline. Um, and they actually show on them they had um they were being trapped by the story Lord, and the story Lord had this machine where he had like different meters for narrative power, marketability, broad appeal, something else. And when they brought Jesus into the story, all of those uh, all of those figures dropped suggesting that the Bible is boring and he even said a line um, that uh, the story Lord is now trapped in every writer's hell, the Bible. Um, but what was interesting about uh, what happens next is that as they fall out of the story um, and they're now watching the train, um, uh, Rick goes into this rant about how this was the be- the best thing he ever did was buy this and like is, I, I think this was a, a joke on consumerism on how consumerism has replaced God and society. Very few, very few people in progressive societies, uh, um, pray to God or like will yield to this idea of a man in the sky, but almost all of us, um, view money as a religion. We all depend on it and we all believe, I mean, we're all like incepted to believe in a consumer society that buying shit is the best thing you can do. Um, so I thought that was also a very clever, uh, bit of satire there. Um, The next piece, because I want to talk actually one last thing about the rites of passage and uh, also uh, a couple people recommended the the new show Midnight Gospel to me. I've only seen the first two episodes, um, but it's a show by Duncan Trussell, the comedian. um, And it's basically, I think, rewrites of certain podcasts he's had on consciousness. This is not a spoiler. This is just what the show is about. Um, Basically, they took a bunch of his podcasts on consciousness with different guests and then wrote it into a cartoon story where. Um, Duncan Trussell is this like intergalactic traveler who goes into different places and interviews people. And they're basically having a, a conversation about consciousness and meditation and things like that, which is not the most um, thrilling uh, conversation piece for most people. Like most people wouldn't just watch a show about two people talking about consciousness. But what they do in the, in the show, Pope in the Pool, uh, what they do in the show, uh, Midnight Gospel, which is interesting, is something called the Pope in the Pool technique, which is a screenwriting technique. Um, where, while they're talking about kind of dense intellectual subject matter, um, they're showing the characters like killing things. Like, it's just like all this random violence. They're chopping off heads, they're killing zombies. I only watched the first two episodes, but both of the first two episodes had, uh, had like all this violent imagery um, in, with, with like while they're talking about consciousness, which is not the most exciting topic uh, up front. There's a technique from, coming from screenwriting um, because uh, – I forget who coined this term. Uh, I think it was the guy who wrote Stave the Cat. But the Pope in the Pool technique is, um, comes from a movie where they had to explain a lot of um, backstory, uh, but it was very complicated and it was like going to be really boring dialogue. So the way they did that is they um, – the Pope was one of the characters. It was a comedy, I believe. And so they showed the Pope taking off his robe and going swimming in the pool while they're having this expository discussion. The whole idea being that if you're watching something weird and interesting, you can tolerate the dense conversation. Uh, Midnight Gospel. So far, the first two episodes are literally all Pope in the pool, where they're talking about something which is interesting if you can really pay attention, but it's not immediately rewarding. Like it's certainly not clickbait. Like no one's gonna be like, "Yeah, I want to watch two guys talk about consciousness." So they have all these images of of, of violence, basically, and uh, within you know within the story structure of Rick and Morty. And and, uh, South Park has done this a little bit as well, where they'll have, like, really lowbrow images or humor, like, over-the-top comical violence or poop humor or fart humor or whatever, on top of, like, intellectually dense or, like, clever jokes. Um, So there's something that entertains you on all levels, which I thought, you know, is – I mean, I think that's one of the reasons for the -the over-the-top comical violence in Rick and Morty. Which – Also relates uh, to the next um, Jungian topic I want to bring up, which is the mother complex. So uh, the mother complex, we can uh, simplify into basically a fear of the feminine, uh, the feminine side of the psyche. In in Morty is very directly shown as a fear of women. He's afraid of pretty girls. Um, Rick also has different elements of a mother complex, a more mature expression of a mother complex which is that two of the features that make up uh, the character Rick, if you were to describe him, uh, one is he's super intelligent. He's the smartest man in the galaxy, but also he's extremely violent and numbed out to pain and low in empathy. Both of these uh, characteristics are what Marie-Louise von Franz would associate with a guy with a mother complex. Uh, uh, There's many versions of the mother complex, but one uh, one example would be... uh, a young man grows up with an overbearing mother. Maybe uh, she's enmeshing him, getting t- too involved in his life. He's trying to separate. Uh, she's like too attached to him. So where does he go? Uh, he goes into intellectual abstractions or to violence. Why? Because the feminine side of the psyche, his his mom's nagging voice inside the back of his head, will not go into the areas of like deep I- intellectual thought and extreme violence. Those are just not uh, feminine parts of the psyche. So. Guys with mother complexes usually end up going into their heads or being very prone to violence, or they uh, very entertained by violence um, because that's where his mother won't go in his mind. Um, so Rick, again, we don't know why necessarily, but Rick is very much afraid of his emotions, um, and we and we've seen this alluded to in, in various episodes. In the in the first episode of the season, um, there was like a flashback scene where. Um, you know, he's we see him as a happy, loving father and husband. And then his wife gets like obliterated by aliens or something that that's what makes him hard and vengeful uh, and ends up walking out on his daughter and, and things like that. We don't know what's actually the truth of Rick's ba- background, but we know that he's got some deep pain back there. Um, and that's why he's so hard against his emotions. Um, another element of a mother complex or another association with a mother complex is extreme debauchery for the same reason that if you're doing a bunch of dark stuff, um your mother your mother doesn't your the mother inside of your head is not going to follow you as you do all this criminal activity um i talked about this i think in the mother complex episode uh referencing the james cagney movie white heat where it's basically like a serial killer uh gangster type who has like an unhealthy attachment to mother we also see this in the in the most recent joker movie uh where the joker who ends up becoming a serial killer is very um uh yeah, I mean, uh, has an unhealthy attachment to his mom again, because the whole idea behind this is that if you're, if you're never falling in love with anyone else, if you're not giving your heart to anyone else, you're still being loyal to your mom in some, uh, unconscious or dark way. And this is also, I mean, I'd say the root of MGTOW and I've been pretty critical of MGTOW, uh, on the show and my channel and in life. Um, because basically what the MGTOW community is doing is being, is a, giving up in their fears of the feminine so like we are so afraid of women that we are not going to interact with them at all and we're going to go our own way which is a ridiculous uh i mean not ridiculous is my opinion but it is a cowardly move uh if you know to exist we're just going to avoid one half of life we're going to avoid the, se- the feminine ourselves we're going to avoid half of the, the human race it's like kind of a crazy thing and a very immature uh thing to do in response to your fears of women. Um, But we can see this again in the show. Jerry is extremely afraid of Beth. Um, Morty is afraid of pretty girls. And Rick is afraid of his own feminine emotions. Another uh, thing from the most recent episode of another meta uh, or uh, another thing from this meta episode was in the episode. um, They show two aliens talking about like uh, talking about. The nature of reality and how um, this one guy explaining to this girl about how he's preserving his semen to prevent, uh, to maintain his sexual energy. I thought it was interesting as someone who teaches about arousal control, but it's also critical of the NoFap idea, again, of like, we don't want, we're so afraid of being out of control that we are going to completely absolve um, orgasm. Uh, anyway, I thought it was just an interesting thing. Another synchronistic thing as I speak about Rick and Morty for the first time on this show. But our, uh, bringing us to the, uh, the last element that I want to speak about in Rick and Morty, which is the anima. The anima is Jung's term for the feminine side of a male psyche. And um, if we, again, take this idea that Rick and Morty is a psychodrama of, male, of the male experience, um, all of the portrayals of women in the show are then portrayals of the feminine side of the psyche of, of how um, it's kind of like from a perspective, an adolescent boy of how he views women. And you can see a lot throughout the show, the Madonna whore complex, whereas a woman is either, uh, is, uh, is either beautiful and pure or she's dirty. Like there's a a lot of this dichotomy, which you see in the show. And it was funny because I've I've spoken about the Bechdel test uh, quite a bit. Bechdel, I might've been saying this wrong the whole time. Bechdel test, um, in a lot of the Jungian psych episodes we've, we've done, they actually mention it in the show. Um, so if you don't know, the Bechdel test is uh, named, I think, is an Allison Bechdel. She was a lesbian comic strip writer, and she uh, pointed out how most fiction throughout history um, doesn't pass a very basic test. Uh, there are, uh, the, Be- the Bechdel test is basically a woman, um, sorry, a show shows female agency. If there are more than two female characters, they have names, they have a conversation with each other, and their conversation is about something other than a man. And as I've mentioned in the show, in uh, this show, uh, almost every film, movie, most books do not pass this test. It seems it's, like it's a comical test because it seems like those three things are a very low bar to pass to be pro-feminist. Almost everything doesn't pass. I, I even brought up in the Mother Complex episode about how as as touted uh, that wonder woman was like supposed to be this great feminine achievement feminist achievement itself didn't pass the bechdel test other than the first scenes with the origin story like wonder woman itself is so written from a male paradigm that nowhere throughout the movie does wonder woman actually have a conversation with another woman about something other than a man which is a huge joke but anyway in this episode rick and morty satirized that whereas to um in, in the in the episode from yesterday, they're trying to escape the loop they were in by uh, bring up a plot line that would that they would never have on Rick and Morty. So they they showed basically Morty's version of Summer and Beth, his sister and mom, having a conversation. Um, and it was very funny. I mean, over the top, like talking about their periods and then saving the world with periods. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg appears, and it was like, yeah, feminism. Um, because uh. Yeah, I mean, most shows, I mean, this show, at least they're aware of it, which I mean, and not to say that every show has to pass this test. I mean, especially a show written for a male audience, like who cares? What is um, ironic is that most shows, even shows that seem to be progressive and pro-feminist, they themselves don't pass the Bechdel test. But um, Rick and Morty satirizes uh, how extreme their adolescent view of women are. Um, For instance, in the episode of Gazorpazorp uh, where Rick accident or no, Morty accidentally has a child with a sex robot. Um, they go to the, the planet where women have separated themselves from men and created a utopia. And um, all, that was one of the episodes where they did pass the best test because it's, it's all women in that episode. And the joke is that the way they greet each other is saying, I'm here if you need to talk. Um, so uh, I mean, yeah, all extreme views of the male psyche of women. What was interesting and why, you know, uh with all of the, this self-awareness within the show, I don't think anyone can call it a misogynist show. If anything, they make fun of um, it. Summer, which is uh, Morty's sister, who gets mistreated a lot through the show, like uh, Rick very often will like not want to bring her along because she's a girl, no girls allowed. Summer is actually the voice of reason um, in many of the episodes, especially uh, where Morty isn't. And we can actually see, I think it was in a couple episodes from earlier this season, Summer's the only person that Rick actually trusts to revive them when they go too far or to, there's a couple episodes where Summer has to save the day by sending them like the, uh, in the episode where they on the purge planet, um, where they have to fight everyone on the planet, Summer sends them robots, that, robot suits that give them like Iron Man capabilities. Um, in another episode, um, when Rick and Morty forget who they are, Summer revives them by reimplanting their memories and stuff. Um, so Summer's actually, even though Rick mistreats his granddaughter and brings his grandson along on all the adventures, he actually uh, maybe is seeing Summer from a Madonna horror, uh, from both Madonna horror aspect. Like, she's not cool enough to come along, but part of what makes her not cool enough to come along on the adventures is that she's so pure that he wants to keep her away from the debauchery that um, they take take care of. Another element of, uh, I'd say this is like the maybe MGTOW male fear is that uh, they show uh, in the last episode of season two, um, Tammy, who's, uh, you know, typical hot girl from high school, ends up uh, betraying Bird Person, who's another, like, virtuous male character. Um, and, you know, it's, it's another portrayal of, like, of the feminine, the dark feminine taking advantage of virtue um, in men. So, uh the last bit, I just remembered from that same episode, we see again um, Rick being the deadbeat dad who leaves his family. Like He would rather be the villain um, than stick around and cause his family pain, or, or really stick around for intimacy. So we can see the pain in Rick as an antihero, the purity of Morty as the fool who follows Rick around, even though Morty actually has the deeper wisdom, the, the conscience wisdom. He's less afraid of his feelings than Rick. Uh, Jerry is the extreme weakness of father. Uh, Beth in Beth and Summer and all the female characters, I think, represent different aspects of a uh, male portrayal of femininity. Um, one piece that we haven't seen through the show is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which maybe wouldn't fit because um, Rick would be so cynical if a Manic Pixie Dream Girl did appear. Rick would be so cynical of this character. Um, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl being another adolescent fam- fantasy trope of like, the happy-go-lucky woman who shows the dark brooding protagonist how to get in touch with his emotions. Rick, being a main character as the anti-hero mentor, would probably block that from ever happening. Um, but uh, that would be an interesting piece to have in the show at some point. So that's that. I, I love this episode that just came out. I actually watched it twice back to back because of some of the. Some of the bits, uh, there's a couple of quotes I meant to talk about or mention in the show in this episode, but it didn't come up. Um, yeah, Rick, at one point says, "Listen, Morty, I hate to break it to you, but what people call love is just a chemical reaction that compel- compels animals to breed. It hits hard, Morty, and then it slowly fades, leaving you stranded in a failed marriage. I did it. Your parents are going to do it. Break the cycle, Morty. Rise above. Focus on science." Which is kind of a mother complex thing to say. Fear of women. You can even call that a MiGtown Manifesto line. In another episode, uh Beth is speaking about Morty. He says he's not a hot girl he can't just bail on his life and set up shop in someone else's another cynical view of women, um, not to say that it's wrong or right um but is yeah again the the whole idea here that is that Rick and Morty shows many elements of the male psychodrama of male development uh, on different levels um Morty is the character that I think i mean all. All men have been adolescent boys at one point. So it's very easy to relate to Morty. Even if you were the cool guy in high school, we all had Morty-like feelings. We all had a fear of being a spineless Jerry. We maybe have idolized a Rick-type anti-hero character who fights the way we want to fight, who fucks the way we want to fuck. He's kind of like the Tyler Durbin character. Um, However, those of us who have experienced the Rick within us, the maybe Machiavellian uh, in his head, perhaps a violent power playing uh, heartless fuckboy type in ourselves uh, maybe have recognized that it has diminishing returns. And it even if you have all the adventures in the world um, sleep with all the women uh, give no shits uh, you may not actually be fulfilled, which we see time and time again with Rick uh, throughout his pain, which is alluded to uh, sex and conquest does not make up for the hole in your heart. But what's also interesting is that, you know, when I've uh, when I was more of a Morty-like person, and I think this is true for any Morty-like person, you hear of all this stuff like, you know, sex and money will not make you happy, but if you don't have any, uh, you'd still rather be Rick than Jerry. Everyone would rather be Rick than Jerry. And I spoke about this. Um, I wrote an article, I guess it was a number of years ago, um, on Colossus versus Wolverine. I was talking about two strategies for dealing with your emotions you could go colossus whereas you become totally ice cold and impervious to feeling any sort of pain or you can be wolverine whereas you can get damaged your body can get ripped apart your heart can get uh, pulverized into smithereens um, but wolverine recovers and i was suggesting that it is better to be colossus than to be someone who gets smothered like i, I mean i will say like if you are a spineless guy who gets no respect from women who has uh, no happiness in life who is constantly you know that's, I mean, for lack of a better word is beta being shit on all the time. Being a colossus for a while, being kind of a hard arrogant prick is, is a step in the right direction. However, anyone who's done that repeatedly will not be ultimately happy and I think the line I wrote in that article was um, if you're colossus you maybe you might have a buffet of experiences but you'll only be able to taste, not swallow. I think I was talking about dating specifically. Like, yeah, I mean, women are totally into the icy prick guy. So you might have a lot of experiences and get a lot of girls, but you won't actually be fulfilled. Whereas Wolverine, even though he opens himself to getting hurt and he gets this heartbreak, he will have this – he he develops true strength and that he recognizes that his heart does recover when it goes through emotional turmoil. So it's, it's a, a much more um, – sustainable and fulfilling strategy to let yourself get hurt. And we see this in moments where Rick um, does try to soften up, but we don't know as fans why Rick is such a hard asshole, but it's kind of what makes him fun to watch as well. So this has been a different kind of episode on the cartoon, Rick and Morty and archetypal masculinity. There's probably other things. I mean, uh, there's probably many other bits. I I mean, I'm not such a super fan that I can remember every single episode. So I tried to remember the lines that mattered. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube or watching this uh, or listening to this on the podcast, most people listen to the podcast, but I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram if you're listening to the podcast or comment uh, in the YouTube because I I know there's a lot more to Rick and Morty and psychology that I haven't covered, but um, I'll let you point that out to me. This has been all, uh, again, the Archa- Masculine Archetype class is available at rwando.com archetype. Got a bunch of cool podcasts coming out. Caronel Elliott from Existential Kink will be on soon. Uh, Mark Lewis, PhD from Biology of Desire. We have John Gray from Men for Mars, a from Venus coming up soon, and a lot of other fun guests. And um, I will be speaking eventually on circuits five through eight in uh, Timothy Leary's Eighth Circuit Model of Consciousness as told by Robert Anton Wilson and Prometheus rising. But I did want a little more time to think about those concepts before I go on here and blab about it. So hope you're all well and goodbye.